Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This morning, I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Hey, Denny, how are you on this very cold December day? Well, I am cozy, and I hope you are too, ensconced <laughs> in your uh, in your particular uh, studio. Uh, let's welcome our uh, CCO listeners to our Smart Garden show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Yes, even when it's four above zero, That's right. we talk lawns and gardens. We're hardy folks here in the uh, Twin Cities and uh, what we lovingly call CCO land. Uh, and, uh, let's invite our listeners to join in as as we always uh, do this uh, this hour. Six five one four six one nine two two six. What does that number get you? It'll either get you a, a chat line with uh, with uh, Julie if you want to call in and talk with Julie, or just send Julie a text. Either way, it'll work. Six five one four six one. Nine two two six. And while we're waiting for our uh, folks to join us, uh, let's t- talk a little bit about uh, something we talk about. We mention every show, and that's the University of Minnesota website. Give it that. Give us that information and kind of stuff we can find there. Yeah. So on cold days like today, of course, there's not a lot to do outside. So uh, we do recommend that this is a time to brush up on information. So. Our yard and garden website is loaded with great information, everything from house plants to fruit trees, to trees and shrubs, lawns, you name it. And one of the things that uh, subscribe or that people can subscribe to is our yard and garden news, which comes out every couple of weeks. It has great features in it. Uh, this week we are talking about things like um, the ZZ plant. If anybody has one or is curious about them, our uh, our uh, local educator, Shane Bujia, he actually wrote about that and has a nice article. We have a good article from Katie Drutz, who is uh, down in um, Houston County and Fillmore Counties, about picking out the perfect holiday tree. So if you haven't gotten your Christmas tree yet, maybe take a look at that one. It might give you some good tips and hints. And then I wrote an article on watering house plants, which, as you know, Denny, is one of the ways that we kill our plants. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very common. So I gave um, readers a, a few tips on how to actually do good, solid watering. But Yard and Garden News comes out every two weeks, so you can subscribe to it and get a just a short email in your email inbox that says, hey, we've got new information up. We always include a gardening tip in that email alert. So you can go ahead and go to extension.umn.edu, 
go to Yard and Garden, and right on the homepage, you can subscribe to the Yard and Garden News. I haven't. We haven't talked about this in quite some time, but it, you know, we always brag about that website because it is such an excellent website. Yes, and and, yeah. and see, how how does how do we stand as far as the nation and the various universities and their websites? So we we we're right up there on top, are we not? Well, I know that the garden website, the Yard and Garden website, is the most active and most visited on our extension site. I think because gardening is just so popular. I mean, yeah. it, it, everybody's a gardener in some respect, even if you just have house plants. Uh, if you don't have a yard or a lawn to, to uh, enjoy, you still have plants in your house, a lot of people. I don't know anybody who doesn't have at least an aloe plant in their house. <laughs> so, uh, so it's always good to know how to take care of them well. And, and then I think that once people get a house plant or they get that first tomato plant, and they have some success. They eat the tomatoes. The house plant blooms, and uh, and they are often running, becoming a gardener. So it's a very very popular website, very popular pastime. I'm thinking too, and I'm looking at the various text uh, questions as we speak about uh, watering. I feel very lucky that oh boy, it has to be at least 20 years ago. I bought that uh, Kinetico system, you know, drinking oh, yes, water system. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a little bit about watering plants because you're not supposed to use soft water, right, when you uh, water your plants. Yeah, well, some plants are just fine with your tap water. Oh, okay. Uh, geraniums, for example. Uh, I never have any trouble with that. Watering my Hoya plant, I'm looking around my room here. Uh, and I, so some plants are just fine, they, no problem. But other plants are more sensitive. So the example I give in the article is about the peace lily, which has a uh, sensitivity to fluoride. Mm. So you don't want to use tap water that's been treated with fluoride. Now, you can use well water. A lot of people have wells still. Uh, and you can also purchase water. You can buy distilled water or reverse osmosis uh, water, which is the drinking water that you go and refill mm -hmm. the jug at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And you can just add a little fertilizer to it. Those, that water has absolutely nothing in it, no minerals, nothing. So you need to add a little bit of fertilizer. We always recommend about half the strength recommended on the container because people tend to overuse fertilizer. And that builds up salts in the soils, which can... Uh, desiccate your plants. So, so using water, uh, you know, choosing the water, and then, uh, and then watering carefully. So, feeling the soil is really important. A lot of people don't want to do that because their fingers will get dirty, um, or they're in a hurry, or they just have a schedule to keep, and they want to just water every Saturday morning while they're listening to the show. But, um, but we really recommend that you feel the water and or feel the soil. And make sure you water when it's dry and not if it's still moist. And you and I both uh, were talking off air about what we didn't get to. Uh, I finally got some <laughs> leaves removed, but you didn't You didn't get your bulbs in the ground. I did not get my bulb. I wound up taking some uh, damp vermiculite and, uh, and putting the bulbs into bags. And they are in my 45. Taking some uh, damp vermiculite. And uh, and putting the bulbs into bags, and they are in my forty-five degree garage right now. So hmm. I'm going to have to try. I'm going to try this because we've we've talked about this with people who say, "Oh, like me, I got my bulbs. They came late. Can I still plant them?" And you know, these a lot of these bulbs they need this winter time. They need that cold to actually help break dormancy 
in the spring and bloom. And so, um, so I'm going to try something and I'll let people know in the spring how it turns out, but I am going to fake the winter for my bulbs in the garage where it's cold and, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and plant them in the spring and see if they actually bloom. So we'll All right. it's my big uh, experiment this year. <laughs> well, as we head to this break, Julie, again, let's invite our listeners to join in uh, on the show. If you have uh, any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. Same number for either 651-461-9226. I'm just checking with the, uh, the uh, weather service to see if our uh, temperature has changed, oh, we we gained a degree. Ooh. It is now. <laughs> We're not to double digits yet, though. <laughs> five degrees above zero. We're heading to uh, about sixteen today, but warmer tomorrow. <laughs> We're going to get up to about thirty. So, Julie, hang on. We'll take a bit of a break here, and then we'll come back and uh, see what our listeners have to say via the phones and text. Again, six five one four six one nine two two six from Newstalk eight three zero. This is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. This is the 3rd of December, chilly one. It's uh, 5 degrees above zero in the Twin Cities, heading to uh, 16 today, but warmer tomorrow, as we said, highs around 30. Denny Long here, along with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, answering your lawn and garden questions on our Smart Garden Show. Number to get in here, 651-461-9226 for your phone calls or text messages. Speaking of phone calls, uh, Julie, let's go to uh, the phones. Sounds Mary good. Mary Lou is uh, calling in from uh, Crystal this morning. Hello, Mary Lou. Uh, what's your question this morning? <laughs> good morning. Um, my question is, and I'm sorry if I missed it earlier, um, about the online Master Gardener class. Julie oh, mentioned sure. it a couple weeks ago, and I okay. didn't catch what you said about that. Okay. So the... Um well, right now the I think the class that applications are closed for the Master Gardener oh, application. They, they usually close October first, but oh, okay. there is still the opportunity to take the ProHort class. It's the same content, the same curricula as the Master Gardener class, without the volunteer obligation. So it costs a little bit more. It's six hundred dollars, but it's uh, and it's self-paced. So you you can go online and you just. Can use the you know you get the same information. There are people who are leading it who are you know there to help, and it's a great way. In fact, I'm really glad that you asked that because I wanted to be sure that people knew that this was available. It starts January 5th, but you can sign up uh, and and register at the Arboretum website under the Adult Education section under Gardens. Okay, Mary Lou, I hope you got that. Yeah. Info. Pro Thanks. Port, it's called. All right. Thanks for the question. Again, our phone number is also our text number, 651-461-9226. Here is one. It says, good morning. Should I store my leftover grass seed indoors or out? That comes from Doug from River Falls, Wisconsin. What about that? I've still, I still have, uh, in fact, yeah. an unopened bag I never got to. What do, we do with, what do we do with that? I think it's better to store it in a colder environment than a warmer environment. So you can keep it in the garage as long as it's dry. The most important thing is not to store it in any place or, or way that, that moisture is conserved. So make sure that it's very dry, 
seal it up in a bag um, to keep any moisture from leaching into it. So I think that's the most important thing. Temperature-wise, seed gets stored at, you know, 40 degrees, 45 degrees, um, so you can put it into your garage or into a, a cool location. I think the garage would be better because I think a basement maybe would hold some moisture if you have a, humid, a humidifier on your furnace, for example. So I think I'd store it in the garage. Just yeah, make sure good. it's dry. Seal it up. Yeah, good good question. I, I was thinking about Mary Lou's question about uh, master gardeners. And what, mm-hmm. you know, some people, especially since we started doing the show several years ago, what what do master gardeners do? And who can become a master gardener? Anybody who likes to garden and share their gardening knowledge can become a master gardener. So master gardeners are volunteers. It's a volunteer program through the University of Minnesota. It's part of Extension. Uh, master gardeners, uh, people who want to become master gardeners will apply to their counties, basically filling out an application form and uh, going through maybe a, a not an interview, but just kind of a discussion so they understand how the program works and we can answer any of their questions. And then uh, going online to take the class, which is training, if you were going to do it in person, it'd be roughly about 48 hours of education. But the good thing about it being online is you can do it at any time. You can do it, uh, you can go back and forth. You can review, you know, if you didn't quite get the information on, you know, on how beetles, you know, pupate, you can go back and read that part and listen to the presentations that we have. Christy Marsden, who's our extension educator in charge of the education for Master Gardeners, has done just a bang up job of of updating and bringing the core course into the 21st century it's just she's done a beautiful beautiful job with this curricula and it's very engaging um, some people might think oh geez it's online it's a long time to be online but it's really interesting i guarantee that anybody who's interested in gardening who takes this class whether they go for it as a volunteer or they uh, decide to do the prohort as uh, mary lou was asking about I think you will have so many aha moments. (laughs) I know I did when I took the class back in 1996. I was, uh, you know, I'd sit in class and go, whoa, that's why that happens. So uh, it's a great learning opportunity. And then as as volunteers, you volunteer within your county. There's all sorts of different things to do as volunteers. It's not just stand up and give presentations or write things for a, you know, newsletter or anything. It's being with people. It's engaging with your communities uh, helping people, that's the really the core of it, and helping people to learn best practices in gardening, to learn about plants, to ex- get excited about horticulture. It's a great, great way to give back to your community. And we have master gardeners all over the state and master gardeners of all ages. I think you have to be 18 to be in the, to be in the, uh, to be a master gardener, and I, I guarantee there's some t- early 20s out there. And then we, some people have been in it for 30 years. The master gardener core, uh, master gardener program in Minnesota has been around since 1977. So, it's a, yeah, it's a great way to give back. It's one of I'm not a, I chose it to volunteer because I really enjoy teaching people, and mm-hmm. uh, really and became an extension educator because of it. And and <laughs> so as you far just as never know. <laughs> and as far as an extension, if I can use that word of a master gardener, that that's kind of what you and your colleagues do for our listeners here on CCO too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Teresa's a master gardener. She's that's a right. longtime master gardener, and part of her volunteering is to be on the show and answer questions. So that's 
I, I think, and she does a beautiful job. She's awesome. We're well, so you and Mary and Teresa all do a great job, and I know our listeners uh, really appreciate that. But yeah. I'll tell you what, we're going to put you back to work here after, after awesome. that, that forecast, so uh, hang on. Any kind of a lawn or garden question, we have about another half hour of the show to go, our Smart Garden Show. So uh, please give us a call if you like to chat with Julie, or you can send Julie a text if that's easier for you. 651 461 9226. Five degrees above zero on our way to 16. We'll look at that forecast coming up here on 830. This is WCCO. And a good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with uh, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota on our Smart Garden Show, answering those lawn and garden questions as we do every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your questions either by phone or by text, 651-461-9226. Julie, here's a text. says this, my Thanksgiving cactus is done blooming. How do I care for it now? Oh, good question. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out we have an excellent web page on holiday cacti. So that covers all the kinds of uh, these flowering uh, plants. But uh, in short, this plant is a uh, called a short uh, short day plant, meaning that it responds to our fewer hours of daylight or less light. That's what prompts it to bloom. Also, cooler temperatures too. So it kind of fits with the season. People call them Thanksgiving cactus. There actually is a, uh, a species that truncata is the species of Schlumbergera, and it is. Considered, a, it's a little bit different than our Christmas cactus, which, which is Bradesii, the species. And so these plants bloom at slightly different times. Sometimes people say they have a Halloween cactus too. Um, but these plants start to set bud as soon as our days start to shorten and temperatures cool down. So now that it's finished blooming, it may rebloom, by the way, but you want to just take care of it as you would. Uh, clearly been doing a great job if it's been blooming. But this is a plant that, even though it has quite meaty stems, it is not uh, a plant that needs a lot of water. It needs to be well-drained. So if it is sitting in a, a plastic nursery pot inside of a decorative pot, for example, you want to take it out of the decorative pot, set it in the sink, water it, make sure it drains really well, then put it back in the decorative pot. Uh, it does not need a lot of water, so feel it first and uh, make sure that it is dry before you water it. You might add a little bit if you still see some new growth, new stems, for example, or new uh, cladophylls, which are the little segments on the stems. You want to go ahead and then fertilize it when you see that active growth. And again, use about half strength. Just an all-purpose fertilizer is fine for this particular plant. They do well in indirect light. So you can put these in different places in your house, and it will respond quite nicely to that. It might, might prompt some more buds as well, too. But we do have that great website, including a troubleshooting section, and that is on our extension site at Yard and Garden, extension.umn.edu. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. We'll mention that again before Julie leaves us today. We'll also talk a little bit before you go, too, maybe about the Arboretum, like we always sure. like to do. In the meantime, uh, another texter says, I have two Anthurium plants 
that have flowered beautifully for years. As of now, I have lots of green foliage, but no more flowers. Can these plants produce flowers again? Thank you. Enjoy the show. Mm, Yes, they can. These are a tropical plant. They are from South America and Central America, the Caribbean. They grow as three-foot-high shrubs in their native environment. Some of them are epiphytes, some are terrestrial. The ones that uh, we grow for houseplants are terrestrial, meaning that they're growing in actually soil. And uh, this is a plant that prefers medium to high light. In fact, too little light will cause the plant to bloom less and grow more slowly. So it may be that wherever the plant is located, you need to put it in maybe a south or west-facing window. And uh, water when the soil is dry. This is another plant that you want to make sure that it dries out between waterings. And if you want to push a little bit of blooming, you can use a high phosphorus fertilizer. And then be sure to prune away any of the old flowers, too. These are interesting flowers. They have what are called a spathe and spadix. A spathe is the kind of uh, heart-shaped, oh, I wouldn't call it a petal. It's almost the base of the flower. And then it has a spadix that angles out at a right angle and grows out of that. Kind of is twisted in some species as well. So very popular plant. They can be anywhere from pink to Um, kind of a mottled pink and green to a deep red and very attractive plants, very tropical look to them. So I would say maybe look at the amount of light that your plant has. And also if you've had these plants a very long time, you may want to repot them too. Maybe that would help a little bit too. Just a little bit larger pot. You don't have to go much bigger, maybe a couple of inches wider in diameter. Earlier, Julie, as you know, we were talking about watering plants, types of water uh, to use or not use. Yes. Um, this uh, listener says, what if you let tap water sit out uncovered for a couple of days? Doesn't that eliminate some of the additives so it's okay to use to water plants? I don't know. if that, Is it like letting you know wine breathe in a decanter or something? <laughs> I'm not sure if that would uh, uh, eliminate some of those things. What do you think? Just a guess. But. Well, the, the, the uh, element that the right or that the uh, questioner is asking about is chlorine and so chlorine when it hits air it will dissipate so yes you can reduce chlorine in the water if you have a very if you have very chlorinated water you know some some city waters you can taste the chlorine in it it's it's there to help prevent bacteria growth and to keep the water safe it's definitely below you know uh, epa levels for our safety but uh, you can sometimes you can smell the chlorine a little bit in the water. So you can, if you have water like that, or you're concerned about that, you can go ahead and just let that water sit out for 24 hours, and that any chlorine in that pitcher of water or or watering can will dissipate. Chlorine is actually something that's needed in micro uh, micro amounts for plants. So using water that's treated with chlorine, unless it's like swimming pool water, yeah. is not going to be negative, have a negative effect on, on plants. All right. Interesting idea. Uh, yep. This texter bought a poinsettia for the for indoor, uh, indoors and a large potted evergreen for holiday decor outdoors. How often should I water each one is the question. Mm, okay. Well, the outdoor evergreen uh, probably... Hmm, it's a little hard to water it because if it's outdoors, the soil is frozen. And on a day like today, if you watered it, it that water would sit on top of that soil and probably turn to an ice block. 
So if you get an opportunity where the soil is a little bit, you know, softer as it warms up through the winter and into late winter, then you would want to start watering it. I don't think it's going to do any good to water it now. Uh, the plant inside, though, the poinsettia, that's a plant that, like the anthurium, really likes to be well-drained, and the Christmas cactus, by the way, uh, or Thanksgiving cactus. But you want to take the poinsettia out of the, if it came in a foil wrapper, for example, they often do, take it out of that foil wrapper, pull the pot out of it, and then set it in the sink and make sure it drains really well. One of the killers of poinsettia is allowing the plant to sit in some kind of amount of water, whether it's in a saucer or if it's inside of another pot. So be sure it drains really well. Don't water it until it really needs to be watered, until it's dry. So feel the soil. And that's that's just a good practice for all your house plants at this point. If you allow plants to be wet constantly, you, you risk the uh, probability of root rot, where the roots literally rot off the plant in the soil because they're wet all the time. Roots need air as well as water to grow well. And once you lose those roots, there's no way for the plant to take up water, which is why we see wilting even when the soil is wet. You can also in, uh, increase uh, opportunities for fungus gnats. And fungus gnats are those annoying little fruit fly-like bugs that are flying around your plants, and they thrive in constantly wet soils. Their larvae feed on our roots. They feed on the fungi that are in the roots of the plants and in the soil, and then emerges these adults. And they're just a big annoyance and also can be damaging to the roots of your plant as well. So you want to be sure that you allow your plants to dry out well. And poinsettias are one of those plants. Speaking of uh, that poinsettia, kind of a follow-up from another listener. Uh, Do you water, is it better to water from the top or bottom when you do water a poinsettia? Um, It doesn't matter on the poinsettia. They have high enough branches that the leaves aren't going to get wet unless you get real reckless with your watering can. Um, But you want to water at the surface of the soil, not at the, not, don't water over all the bracts and, and stems. You want to just water at the base of the plant. Plants like uh, African violets or plants that have furry, fuzzy leaves uh, don't take very kindly to having their leaves wet. So in that case, you may want to put those, set those into, say, another container that has fresh water in it and set the plant in their, in its pot and allow water to be taken up from the bottom. So that's a good way to do that. It takes a while longer. You can just set them there and, and then check them in an hour or so and see how they do um, and then take them out too. I do that with my orchids actually because it takes a little while for the bark to soak up water and to, and, uh, and so I will set my orchids in a just a plastic container with the water and the fertilizer mixed in and just allow them to uh, sit there for a little while until that bark is, is uh, moist. Okay. Julie, hang on. We're uh, going to take a quick break here. Be right back. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Arboretum and uh, answer some more text questions from our listeners here on our Smart Garden Show. 651-461-9226. Five degrees above zero on our way to 16 here from News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. 
here on a three O W C C O this morning. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is with us, and I know you uh, kind of hang out at the uh, Landscape Arboretum as well. Lots going on even this time, and maybe I should say especially this time of year. Oh, my gosh. So if you visit the website, arb.umn.edu, you will see that we have the Apple House Holiday Boutique, which is open till December 20th. This is the Apple House that we normally have apples for sale in during the fall. It's turned into a beautiful holiday boutique, so a place to buy your holiday gifts. Uh, Winter Lights is going on. This is our evenings, walking around the garden. They go through, uh, they'll be up and uh, lit up until January 1st. Beautiful. I've been out there. It's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, especially with the snow because it reflects off the snow so nicely. We have a winter music series going on through December 23rd, our winter tea lights. And today, this weekend... Um, is the Auxiliary Holiday Sale and the Minnesota Herb Society Winter Sale at the same time. So this is an excellent time. You could spend your day indoors shopping, getting all your Christmas and holiday gift giving done and, uh, and also benefit the auxiliary and the Arboretum as well. And of course, it's great to go out and visit the Arboretum. We have uh, the full mo- full wolf moon snowshoe hike in January. We have a wellness fair coming up in January. There's also the December gift market too, which is next week, the 9th and 10th of December. So be sure to get a reservation. Uh, you need to go online at uh, arb.umn.edu. If you're a member, it doesn't cost anything. If you're not a member, you know, if you come out three times, you've basically almost paid for your membership at that point. So you might want to consider becoming a member. You get a card, you pass, you zip right in at the beginning. You don't have to wait in line. So yeah, it's really, really fabulous out there now. And lots of just, great hiking, too. Yeah, just head west on Highway 5 to around 41, and you're just about there. Yeah, you are there. Follow the signs. Uh, I tell you what, let's grab a phone call before we run out of time. Chuck is calling. I believe he's still with us. They're calling in from Rush City this morning. Chuck, what is your question for Julie? Uh, hey, Julie, question please. I, I give uh, my daughter some poinsettias, and yes. uh, she says that she's got some cats. And she says, oh, geez, i, I got to put them up high. And I said, why? She says, well, they say that, <clears throat> pardon me, that, that the cats will die. I mean, if you, you know, if they go around poor uh, poinsettias is that right i don't believe that they're that they will kill the kill the cats are not fatal but they are uh euphorbias they have a sticky white sap that can i know for on humans on our hands it can cause dermatitis so when you're working with poinsettias it's best to wear a pair of gloves so i would definitely i think your daughter's right keep them out of the way of the cats and that's really tricky i have a dog so i feel fortunate in that respect but but yes, I would keep them. I'd keep them in all plants out of uh, the reach of plants of cats, if possible. But I don't think it's going to kill the plant, kill the cats. She can check the ASPCA website, which has lists of toxic plants, and toxicity is at different levels. So low toxicity might cause drooling or vomiting. More severe might cause diarrhea, um, or you know, or worse. So she can take a look at that about poinsettias. Good. Thank you, uh, Chuck, for the call. Uh, Texter says, my family has uh, owned two cabins on a small lake north of uh, Cross Lake area for 85 years. It's a wooded five-acre lot that many of the birch, oak, and pine 
have either died out or have blown down. Now, we have started a replanting project the last three years with bare root birch, oak, pine, and maple. My question is, should we bring in an arborist to make a master plan, and how do I begin that process? I think that's a good idea, personally. Well, I think having a good relationship with an arborist when you have property of that nature and a lot of trees is a good idea, point blank. Um, as far as an arborist creating a master plan, they would create, I believe, a master plan for maintenance of the site, for replanting or further planting, uh, and also for and, and for care of these plants. So that would be a great idea. That's a wonderful idea. It's very future thinking. Uh, if you want a landscape design, you can contact a landscape designer or a landscape architect who can come in and draw a design for you. So it depends on, it sounds like this is more of a natural area. Maybe a design isn't what you need, but you need a maintenance and care plan and, and to continue to plant. And an arborist can advise on other plants than trees too. They can also advise on shrubs and woody vines. Uh, some of them also have background and information on herbaceous plants as well. So they can be a really great resource. And we have uh, a way you can find an arborist in your area. If you don't know, you can visit the International Society of Arboriculture. It's the, called the ISA. You can Google that and type in, there's a section called Find an Arborist in Your Area. And I think you put in your zip code. And so it would be the zip code of your cabin. And they will give you any and all arborists in the area. And boy, we mentioned it in the past a lot, many times, that we have a, a great selection of arborists around this yes, area. Yes, we sure. have excellent uh, green industry professionals here yeah. in Minnesota. Really, really stellar. Julie, uh, another text says, great show, thank you. My orchid is starting its first flower. Do I keep giving it plant food or just the distilled water? Ooh, so exciting. The first spike, it's called. Uh, yes, you can... You can give it a very dilute amount or dilute solution of fertilizer when you water it. So this is important to pay attention to how, how and you'll let it dry out between waterings. Orchids are, at least I'm guessing this is maybe a, an orchid planted in bark. If it is, it's an epiphyte. So these are plants that grow on other plants and gather their moisture and nutrients from the rain and humidity and the moisture on the plant that they are growing on. Their roots kind of wind around. They're not parasites, but they're called epiphytes. If that's the type of orchid you have, some are terrestrial that grow in soil, but if you have that kind that's growing in bark, then you want to be sure that it dries out well and that you drain it drains well too. And you can give it that dilute fertilizer. You can even go down to like a quarter strength if need be. Buying a particular orchid fertilizer is also a good idea. So rather than an all-purpose type of uh, fertilizer, you would want to buy an orchid fertilizer, and that's properly balanced for, for, for orchid needs. Okay. Julie, we have uh, about a minute to go. Uh, let's grab another texture before you go. Are plants that come in pots that have wicks okay to keep moist all the time? Yeah, wicking is another is one way that it's basically uh, like almost like a little cotton wick, like on a candle that comes out the bottom of the plant, and you keep the wick uh, moist. You keep it in a water reservoir, and then it feeds the plant slowly with water. It's 
it's okay. I would just, I would look at the plant and it depends on the plant too. And I would just keep kind of keep an eye on it. Make sure the leaves aren't turning yellow. Uh, it's not dropping a lot of leaves. Uh, you're not seeing fungus gnats. I, I, I still, it, again, it depends on the type of plant that it is. Yeah. So usually if it comes with a wick, it comes with instructions and you can also then go online and look up that plant and read a little bit more about it too. All right. Well, Julie, we got to run. Wow. It's great great to have you on as fast. usual. I know uh, I know you'll be back soon. So uh yes. have a great week. In the meantime, get to the arboretum and get on that University of Minnesota website. Thanks, Julie. Yeah. Talk thanks, soon. Danny. Julie Wisenor from the U of M. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. Then Next hour, home improvement questions. Get them ready for Andy Lindis here on News Talk 830 WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.